Welcome back to another episode of the Hall of Sports podcast. Today is a special day. We're going to be releasing this just a day before the Super Bowl, as you can see above in the graphic. Again, Kansas City make the Super Bowl in back-to-back years against another kind of common trade of a Super Bowl, Tom Brady, in I think this is what is 12th or 13th now. It's it's getting a bit yeah, it's getting a bit ridiculous. I'm joined here by uh, Jake and Tell me a little bit about some of the work that you do, Jake, before we kind of push ahead into um, into the game. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Um, I've been a Chiefs fan since 2008. Uh, I don't live in Kansas City, so it doesn't really make sense that I'm a Chiefs fan. But, I mean, I'm my approach to sports is you pick your favorite team and then you just roll with them. So I picked the Chiefs at a young age. Uh, and it was a long time before I saw dividends uh, of that that fandom, that appreciation. But a few years ago, I joined Arrowhead Attic. It's a fan-sided blog that covers all Kansas City Chiefs-related things. So I write on a broad, you know, broad variety of Chiefs issues, whether it's news or draft analysis or lessons learned or. Any, really anything of that sort, um, I just plug it in, and and that's that's what I do for Arrowhead Addict. Yeah, that's that's really good because it's it's an interesting one to where you said you got kind of your fandom from. Because personally, for me, I don't think I had a choice. I have a lot of family from Chicago, so okay. uh, I unfortunately have had the honor of being a Bears fan all my life and haven't really seen a good quarterback for any yeah. of my life. So yeah, that whole idea of what went wrong for me is, is definitely a big one where yeah, yeah. Bears messed up a couple of seasons ago where, look, they didn't take Watson or Mahomes and now you have Mahomes in back-to-back Super Bowls and Watson wanted by right. pretty much every team in the league. So yeah, that's yeah. that's a tough one. But again, we will plow on to this week. And it's actually a really interesting one because you have a team in the Kansas City Chiefs that's right. young, well-coached, and it's a, it's an enjoyable team to watch. And you yeah. see it from, I think, the best way to always know what teams are very enjoyable in terms of their play style is when you look at neutrals and what they think about certain teams. Right. You're starting to see more Patrick Mahomes jerseys in pretty much every city. Yeah. And it's very reminiscent of what you see around the globe with TB12 with right. Patriots jerseys. And that's what you're starting to see with Mahomes. How big of an impression do you think he's made since joining Kansas City? Because we all know the story of that first season where he sat behind Alex Smith and learned a lot because a lot of people were afraid that is this another gunslinger, Brett Favre type, right. but he had to rein it in and he was yeah. able to do that. Do you think, and I guess this kind of goes in with the questions about Watson as well, is do you think if he was put in a different situation that he would have been able to get to the level he is now, or does a lot of this credit need to go to the coaching staff of Kansas City? Yeah, I mean that's that's one of those tough questions uh, where there isn't a clear answer. I will say that Mahomes has a a ceiling that is so high that any coach that could come close to maximizing that potential. Um, is going to be a great situation. Now, Mahomes definitely benefits from having Andy Reid, maybe the most QB-friendly coach in the NFL. Um, 
Now, had Mahomes been drafted by the Chicago Bears, I'm, I mean, it, it'd be, it's hard for me to say no, he wouldn't be an MVP or no, he wouldn't be this prolific all-pro. But I think that he has, like I said, this collection of skill that is so impressive that it's pretty hard to screw it up, which you mentioned Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is kind of a nice analogy because Deshaun Watson seems to have every force trying to screw him up, screw him up in his current situation, yet he's producing um, really well. I think Mahomes would be that sort of quarterback. It just so happens that he is in the perfect place. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing that we always talk about with quarterbacks that often the ones that really make it are when there's a situation that kind of works out. We've seen so many quarterbacks go to the likes of the Jets, Jacksonville, and teams that are constantly in that kind of top five. But it seems like when it's a, a team that trade up, that's or if it's have one bad season, a la kind of the Indianapolis Colts when they got Andrew Luck, um, that's when it tends to work out. And just the fact that the Chiefs were able to trade up in that draft and they were get to they were able to get him. And actually one of the benefits of being able to sit him for that season where he is learning how to be a professional player, because I think that's something that people don't really take into account as much that going from the college game to the NFL is difficult. And we see now more and more quarterbacks that are taken early are forced to start from day one. It's, it's one of those that I think, I, the, I think the most interesting one was there was an interview this year with Tyreek Hill where somebody asked him about Mahomes when he first came in and he basically said he could he I think he was like he couldn't hit a receiver he looked trash and fast forward a year later and he I think that first season he played he got what 50 touchdowns that season yep. yeah it's and as they say the rest is history he's in the <laughs> second Super Bowl in a row so do you think do you think that was a really important lesson that he needed is to sit that first season so he could learn behind Alex Smith? Yeah, I really do. Um, and I look at from look at it from a different perspective too. That that year, because the way that Andy Reid drafts players isn't to fit a particular scheme. It's just he sees a player or Brett Veach sees a player he thinks Andy will like, and he builds from that player's uh, strengths and weaknesses. So that year of sitting gave Mahomes a year to learn from, you know, consummate professional Alex Smith, but also gave Andy Reid a year to get to understand Mahomes a little bit better and start to cater a future offense, which we saw in 2018, which was obviously incredible to Mahomes. So it gave them both time to sort of grow um, side by side. Yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's just a perfect situation. We get to the point where we are now where we saw the AFC championship game. Now, I think it was a little easier than people wanted it to be. If you were a neutral to get a close game, I think the closest one was actually where Chiefs fans would have been a little bit uneasy was that Browns game when Mahomes goes out. Um, but again, I think good coaching got the Chiefs through that. Um, kind of really, it became a difficult game that shouldn't have been a difficult game, let's just say. Yeah, that I mean, I don't, I still don't even know what to say about that <laughs> that Browns game because it it seemed like it was, you know, more or less over. I'll say that by the end of the first half, and then Mahomes gets hit, gets a little woozy, and and Henny comes in, and suddenly I'm thinking, oh man, well, I mean, even if the Chiefs do win, if Chad Henny plays against the Bills, that's going to be really really tough. So it's like 
on the one hand, I was I was saying, yeah, let's go Chiefs, let's pull this out. But on the other, I was like, man, if we don't have Mahomes next week, I don't know what will happen. So that was uh, in in typical Chiefs fashion, uh, pretty pretty exciting and uh, just just confusing, tough game. But it was we pulled it out. Chiefs yeah, out. yeah, it's a, it was a very interesting one because watching the two championship games and. They were fairly similar to each other where I felt like mistakes made by certain quarterbacks, so we'll go with Rodgers and also with um, Josh Allen, kind of maybe swung the game in the teams that were kind of where the quarterbacks were a little bit more experienced to making the Super Bowl. You look at Tom Brady, that he didn't look like he was very flustered most of the game, even though there was a lot of pressure on him, and he was able to get the job done. You look at in that Packers game where Rodgers had the space to go run it in towards the end, even if it was going to be within the 10-yard line. And then maybe they would have went for it and fourth down, not kicked that field goal that everybody was talking about. You look at Josh Allen, and I think it was a very uncharacteristic game. When you look at his entire season, there was times instead of throwing the ball away, he'd be running out of bounds. And just, just things we didn't really see from this season that we actually saw him improve on. And it just shows that, experience really does play a lot in playoff football and you saw that with the Chiefs I think last season was a very good time for them to learn how to win in the playoffs yeah that's 100% true um I mean you go back to last season you have the the 24 point deficit against the Texans in the divisional round Chiefs cover and win uh they're down 10 points in the AFC championship to the Titans that come back and win Super Bowl I had assumed they'd lost. I, I'll just come out and say it. They're down 10 in the fourth, come back and win. So when you look at someone like the Bills, for instance, this year, who had a phenomenal season and Josh Allen had an MVP caliber season, there's a tendency to, when you're approaching that AFC championship game, say, hey, Josh Allen is you know, a top five QB. We're gonna, It's going to be really tough. Um, he's going to you know, show us what he has, but when, when you only really have a year of a sample size, there is a chance that maybe he's not going to show up to his full potential in, in the playoff game. It's not, it's not quite like with Patrick Mahomes, who feels like a known quantity where you, you know that even if he throws a pick or he, he misses a, a deep pass, you know that if you get a quarter of great Mahomes, that's sometimes enough to push you over the top. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of goes to the next point where the offense for me, I feel, is probably the most well-rounded offense in, in the NFL. You Because if you were able to stop, let's say, the running backs with Le'Veon Bell and Edward Tillaire, problem then is you have Tyreek Hill on one side, Miko Harmon on the other. You, I'm not sure what the status is for Sammy Watkins. I know he's been dealing with injuries over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure by by the time this video is out, all the the injury reports should um, trickle through anyway. Um, right. Obviously, there's Travis Kelsey. So how how do you stop or try not even stop? How do you try and limit this Chiefs offense? Because again, if the whole thing that Belichick used to do was to try and take away one part of your offense and make you kind of beat them with another. But what can a team do when you do have such a well-rounded offense and it's not just 
you have the one receiver, the one special running back or one great tight end. How do you limit this style of offense? Well, it's an interesting question because Belichick, ever since Mahomes' first year starting, had a consistent plan, which, like you said, taking away the top threat, um, dropping players back into coverage as much as possible. But as Mahomes has gotten you know, more intelligent, more aware as a quarterback, he is able to pick apart that defensive scheme as well. So just thinking about this before even coming on, I was wondering, and, and just rewatching that Chiefs-Bucks game from week 12, it, it really seems like the way to beat a Chiefs team that is on is to maximize your opportunities on defense. If you have a chance at cutting in front of a route and picking off the football, you, you need to make that happen. You need to just take as many possessions away from Patrick Mahomes as you possibly can. Because there isn't it isn't as clear as, hey, go double team Tyree Kill. Okay, have fun having Travis Kelsey run 15 yards up the middle at will and McCole Hardman running deep. Or, you know, Clyde Edwards Delaire or Le'Veon Bell. It, it it just it seems like the the plan has to be a a situationally intelligent plan, which which is a really tough plan because it's not really a plan at all. It's just saying you have to play your best and be really really smart. Because I I would have said you know the Belichick blueprint, the you know deep coverage, uh, disguising blitzing, you know dropping linebackers back would be the blueprint, but. This season, Mahomes has, you know, save for one poor game against the Patriots, navigated that sort of defense well too. So it's almost it's almost like your offense has to become your defense if you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one because you look at it and just as an outsider, it's very hard to know what you actually have to do to limit it because even go and look at that Chiefs and Bucks game, obviously. The biggest problem about in week 12 with the books is going down 17, nothing in the first quarter. You can't, That can't happen. I think it's going to be one of those games that I think the books have to have a very aggressive game plan, both on offense and defense. Right. You hear a lot of college coaches saying that when a team hits their, hits their field goals, it's a win for the defense. And that's the way I think Tampa Bay need to play this is that Field goals are not going to be enough to beat Patrick Mahomes. Even if it's if it's a chance to get the extra points, it's just one of those I think you have to go for it. And to be fair, you look at the game against the Green Bay Packers and they were aggressive. And if they do that again, we should have a good game. Because, look, no matter what we say about the opposition, the Chiefs are going to be aggressive both on offense and on defense. And I think that's what you have in kind of both these teams. Like you've looked at... Tampa Bay and defensively they have been getting their turnovers especially you look at I think there's a crazy stat that out of Aaron Rodgers I think it was six or seven interceptions this season that Tampa Bay had four or five of them it's it's one of those kind of crazy ones that I think for it to be one of these great spectacles that a lot of people want it to be I think both teams are going to need to be aggressive and it kind of starts off with the defense because We've seen it. Tampa Bay come after the quarterback. I, I think they sacked Aaron Rodgers maybe five or six times in that NFC Championship game. In terms of Mahomes, when he does get put under pressure, do you see 
more do you see more of the problems when the pressure comes up the middle so where you might have Vita Vea coming through or would it be maybe on the outside pass rush because again I know there's some quarterbacks you can look at Tom Brady and everybody knows if there's pass rush up the middle that's where he struggles compared to when it comes around the sides have you noticed anything like that while watching the Chiefs if if Mahomes struggles with one more than the other well you definitely don't want to push Mahomes to his right because when he's running to his right, that's that's almost more deadly than Mahomes in a clean pocket, maybe more deadly. Um, I think Mahomes, he's most mistake-prone with that similar pressure up the middle, not in the sense that he he struggles with the pressure, but he he just has a tendency to not even a tendency, but when he makes mistakes, it's often a, hmm, Terry Kill is sort of open, but he forgets that there's, you know, a nose tackle. I don't know if there's a nose tackle in front of him, and he's maybe a little late with the throw or throwing off his back foot, and it's just a little errant. But uh, it, it, it really is like whatever pressure can make Mahomes fall into the trap that he's essentially overcome of, of forcing the ball. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's it's it's definitely fair. You look at the two quarterbacks, and I think the one thing that Kansas City would have to take a lot of pride in, or even just a lot of encouragement in, is the fact that Green Bay Packers were able to turn the ball over so much against the Buccaneers. And if they do that against the Kansas City Chiefs, it's going to be very hard for Tampa Bay to win. Because look, when Green Bay turned it over three times against Tom Brady, they came up with a total of three points. That's not going to happen against Kansas City. We've seen kind of the potent offense that they have. So in terms of the defensive matchups, because a lot of people always mention Kansas City's offense, but it has come up the, these past two seasons that the defense has been making good plays when it comes to playoff time. How do you see the defense matching up, especially when you look at the kind of offense that Tampa's going to bring? Because they do have in their own right a, a pretty good offense. They have Leonard Fournette as the running back. They have Godwin. They have Mike Evans. I know he's been banged up a couple of times this year. Again, we're not too sure about what's going to go on with Antonio Brown because I know he, he missed the NFC Championship game. But the fact that he doesn't have to travel, maybe he's available for the Super Bowl. But again, that still hasn't come out yet. But um, how do you see the defense kind of attacking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. Right. Well, it, it's interesting. Again, um, when you look back at that week 12 matchup, the Chiefs cornerbacks, Bashad Breland, Charvarius Ward, um, Richard Fenton, and Legarius Sneed played lights out football. I mean, they were they were able to lock down Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who who frankly are better receivers than those guys are corners. So there's one way of looking at that saying, hey, we have these corners who have this physical skill set to match up really well with a big guy like Evans or a possession guy like Godwin. There's another way of looking at it saying, hey, it's not super likely that Bashad Breland is going to lock down Mike Evans twice in a row. It just doesn't seem that likely of an event. Now, the thing that that helped it happen in week 12 was the the blitzing was really uh, was able to affect Tom Brady, force him into some poor throws. Um, 
some sacks. But the idea of if you carry over that same game plan as the Chiefs defense, you're banking on, once again, Bashad Breland locking down Mike Evans and Traverius Ward or um, Sneed locking down Godwin. And if as a Chiefs fan, I'm not comfortable with that being my plan. Um, and then from the other perspective, the Bucks showed in that game that they have this quick passing arsenal to deal with, you know, heavy pressure, uh, quick throws to Antonio Brown, who we don't know the status of just yet. Uh, Gronkowski was huge in that game. So again, if I'm, if I'm the chiefs, it's sort of, it's similar to the, the Bucks defensive game plan. If I can get two takeaways from Tom Brady, I know that my offense is strong enough to maybe convert that into 14 points, which would put me in a great position. It just takes two plays. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it seems like it's one of those games that it can just come down to the takeaways. We talk about the turnover battle so often, and I guess in recent years, it's kind of not been so much like we saw previously, where if you won the turnover battle, most of the time you would win the game with offenses now like Kansas City. That's kind of gone against it that even if Mahomes had a bad game, they're, st- they're still into come back and win and win the football game. It's We saw it all throughout the playoffs last season. And the one thing I wanted to kind of talk on as well is kind of Andy Reid and some of the impact that he had on the Chiefs. Because, look, he could be one of these coaches that now could be a back-to-back Super Bowl winner when for so long everyone thought, oh, he's going to win the Super Bowl, and it just didn't happen. Then he comes to Kansas City, drafts Mahomes, and like we said, the rest is history. So what cultural impact have you seen since Andy Reid came in? Because like you said, you started supporting the Chiefs in 2008, and now you see where they're really the height of an organization in the NFL. Yeah, so kind of weird I became a fan in 08, because from 08 to 2012, the Chiefs were um, really bad, and not only bad on the field, but in 2012 they had you know, a very tragic event occur uh, within their team, and the next season, Andy Reid was brought over. Um, from that point on, even during the Alex Smith years, the Chiefs have been stable. So, what does that mean? I was thinking about it. You know, what does it mean when Andy Reid brings this this culture, or this stability, or what does that actually mean? Andy Reid only puts you on a football field if he trusts you. Case in point, last week when McCole Hardman fumbled the punt return, uh, that the Bills went up 9-0 after that. Rather than doing what maybe I would have done as a coach and saying, hey, McCole, we're going to sit you for the rest of this half, just, just take it easy, Andy Reid goes out and makes him the focal point of the drive. So what, what Andy is saying, essentially, when he, when he does that to Hardman is, you are on this field because I believe in you. That's the reason you're on this field. I am not afraid of giving the ball to you after you made a mistake that could have cost the team the game potentially. Um, it, and it, it, it's that sort of just unrelenting trust in his guys that hasn't always paid dividends throughout his career. You know, he, he didn't win the big one in Philly. Uh, he didn't win the big one when Alex Smith was, was, was the Chiefs QB. And I think a lot of people, myself included, thought of Andy Reid as kind of like that really good coach that you want to have to grow a team, 
but he's not the guy that that punches the ticket to the Super Bowl. And Andy Reid has shattered that narrative mostly by saying, look, I, I believe in my players. It's not a cliche when I say it. I, I truly do build this team out of belief. And that's why you're seeing, I mean, that's not only why, they're also super skilled, but that's part of the reason that you see this sustained success without a Super Bowl hangover to speak of is because it's just, it's the process of every day Andy Reid is is making guys who they can be on the field. Um, and that's what's just one of the many impressive things about Coach Reid. Yeah, it's it's one of those interesting ones because I, fo- I followed his career pretty closely when he was with the Eagles because, again, he, you thought for a couple of those seasons that he had a genuine chance and he gets let go at the Eagles and it doesn't take too long for Kansas City to, to bring him in. And I think what's really interesting is the fact that it seems for those couple of years under Alex Smith that they were good enough to make it into the playoffs but just couldn't get over that hump and then he gets the chance to select the quarterback he wanted. I've read reports where they knew that they were drafting Patrick Mahomes for two or three seasons and they were just waiting for for that to to start because they knew who they wanted and they were able to go up and get him. I think that's really good. I always talk about this in many different sports is having a good culture within your organization. And that means having a very good front office that's in tune with what the coach needs and vice versa. And you mentioned it with Brett Veach where any player that he is going to draft, it's because he's looking to see what can Andy Reid do with him. So having someone as that kind of central figure in Andy Reid that kind of brings both the front office and then the playing staff, as we'll say, together. How important do you think that is for an organization? Because we see pretty much in the NFL about seven or eight teams completely change things every single year. How important is it to get that continuity with the right people in the front office and also the right head coach? Because you've seen it in Kansas City, because obviously you said that since 08 you've been a fan, that really it took until Andy Reid came in to really get that stability in Kansas City. Right. Uh, the incredible thing about the, the Veach-Reed relationship is that Veach interned for Andy way back, way back when with the Eagles. Um, he's been Andy's literal right-hand man for about 20 years. So if you're an organization and you look at that, you say, okay, we have Andy Reed, this, this excellent coach, and then Brett Veach, who let's say five years ago, we don't really – he doesn't really have a track record as an executive, but he knows Andy. There's a synergy there. If we put him at the general manager spot, there's going to be this extremely streamlined communication. Um, and again, like w- with Mahomes, Veach was the one who noticed Mahomes and was kind of nagging on Andy. Not that Andy didn't want it, but Veach was saying, look, th- this guy, you-, you need to look at this guy. And Andy, because Veach is a dear friend and someone he trusts took that info very seriously. And the rest is, as they say, history. Now with other NFL teams, you know, you look at maybe the New York jets where they keep a general manager um, and Joe Douglas and hire new head coach, Robert Sala, which I think is a good hire, but it'll be interesting. I don't know if there are many analogies to the Reed Veach thing where Veach essentially was, you know, a, a guy in his twenties interning for Reed 
and then learn to know the coach well enough to make the best decisions for that coach and that team. Um, I think I don't, I'd like to think that's a blueprint. The problem is I'm not sure how many coaches have that guy who has been with them for 20 years, but it'd be interesting to see if more front offices kind of copied that sort of framework. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one because it all comes down to relationships between front office and the coaching staff, because that's the one thing that seems to break down in a lot of, in a lot of teams where either the general manager is looking after themselves or the coaches as well. And for something to work, it really needs to work in unison. And that's where it, it is always the weird one where you have a general manager that's hiring two or three different coaches over a lifetime because, again, it tends to not work out that way. It tends that when a coach goes, so does the general manager because they're the ones that brought them in. But like you could e easily see is that with Andy Reid, even Philadelphia, that when he left, that you knew the next team that he was going to go to was going to be successful because he would have learned from some of the mistakes made at Philly. And now we, we've seen it because, again, I think people forget that when he initially came in, it wasn't just Veach straight away that was the general manager, that you had Dorsey that was there that did have a, a pretty big role in a lot of this. And he's obviously been getting a lot of jobs elsewhere since. How big of a role do you think he had? Because there was, I was reading a story, I think it was on The Athletic, on how Mahomes was selected. And it really was everybody within the Kansas City Chiefs, both front office and coaching staff. You had the likes of even some head coaches in the league now with Matt Nagy, who was the offensive coordinator at the time. And everybody was sold on. Patrick Mahomes, how important is that to have so many evaluators all have the same idea that Mahomes is the number one guy to go for when there was so much question about him coming into the league? I don't think anybody questioned his arm talent. It was all about, well, will that air raid offense in Texas Tech really translate? And the fact that so many evaluators in Kansas City were able to do that and you look at how good they are at evaluating it makes it really hard for then other teams to get to that point where you have all these really good offensive minds that are able to get this decision right. And that's actually what it takes to hit on your quarterback. And it's, it just seems like for Kansas City, it was the perfect time for both Mahomes to come out and the kind of situation that the organization was in. Yeah, it really was because the organization was quite stable at the time. It was just that they couldn't get past the divisional round really with Alex Smith. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't as if there was a, a huge rebuild and then Mahomes came as part of that rebuild. It was a, f a franchise that had been, um, had continuity for many years coming to a decision. And then all, like you said, being in on that decision. I mean, you can look around the league. Now someone like Dwayne Haskins is not, this, the, the player, just the pure football player that Patrick Mahomes is. But there's a situation where you don't really you don't really know who who is in favor of that draft pick. Was it the owner? What does the GM think? And I mean the consequences of that mistrust is losing your first round or releasing your first round draft pick. I mean it's not it's not a perfect example because Mahomes is is 
far better in my opinion, but there is something to be said about that, that glue or that nucleus always pushing that philosophy that they agree upon forward. Um, and Dorsey, the chiefs parted ways with Dorsey, um, not so much for any, any like nefarious reason or any, any, any really bad thing is Dorsey drafted tremendously. He's drafted really well in Cleveland. When he was in Cleveland, he drafted really well. It was just, you know what? Veach and Reed make the most sense. Um, you know, thank you. And, and we're going to move on. But it, it, you know, to say that like, like typically when you say blank has been fired, there's always like, Oh man, you know, what did he do? Did he lose the locker room? No, sometimes organizations just move in a different, like truly just move in a different direction. And that's what happened with Dorsey, who any Chiefs fan will tell you, man, we don't have Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill without John Dorsey. So <laughs> he's done an immense amount for the Chiefs. Yeah, and, and that kind of goes to it, to the whole point of getting that opportunity to be back-to-back Super Bowl champs and how it must feel to be a Chiefs fan. Like you said, it's it's not like it's been plain sailing where it's been like, the New England Patriots over a 15-year period. There's been very hard times for the Chiefs, like you mentioned back in 2012 as well. And now getting to see kind of the fruits of all that labor, it's it's really interesting. Like I always find that that draft was that Mahomes came in was just so interesting where you look at what the Bills did. There was that story that came out that the owner of the Bills wanted to draft Patrick Mahomes, but the coaching staff and the front office weren't sold on them and they wanted to improve the overall team. And then they meet in the AFC championship. It's you have, like we mentioned, when teams aren't, when the communication isn't there between the front office and the coaching staff, we had that in Chicago where you had the GM wanting to select a quarterback, but the coaches wanting a defensive player. So the GM can't then talk to their coaches to select a quarterback and has to go off himself and again it just seems like it was the perfect time for Kansas City and now we're seeing just how good that they are and in terms of just for this upcoming game thinking of the storyline of the possibility of being back-to-back Super Bowl champions because there's not many teams that have been able to do that how impressed are you with this current organization the current team and how good does it actually feel to be in back-to-back Super Bowls with the look. Anybody looking at it is that the Chiefs are the favorites to win the game on Sunday. Yeah, I, I totally understand that when it when a team starts to creep up as maybe the next dynasty, they're going to be hated just because of the fact that they're going to be winning a lot of games. I totally understand that, but you, it's impossible to understate how. A brutal, you know, those 08 to 12 years were. And then even when Smith and Reed came, how odd some of those playoff games, how heartbreaking they were when they were up 28 points in 2013 to Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck came back and won. When they lost in the divisional round a few years later to the Steelers, where the Steelers didn't score a touchdown and the Chiefs did and the Chiefs lost. Um, what, I mean, there are plenty. The Tennessee Titans game when Marcus Mariota throws a touchdown pass to himself and <laughs> eats the Chiefs. Like these are games that all fan bases struggle, and I'm not saying that the, it'd be hard to quantify which fan base has struggled more. But that 
that just conjunction of events of like tragic heartbreaking events that then suddenly lead to pick number 10 in the uh the 2017 NFL draft having everything sort of coalesce from there and now I'm looking back on a team who won a Super Bowl last year um has not has had no no sign of a Super Bowl hangover and is entering a second straight Super Bowl um two really three years of of bliss in a sense like it's just you can count on these chiefs and and other teams it don't ha- don't necessarily have that feeling you know if you're a bears fan i'm also from the chicagoland area so i i know all about the bears i mean so i see a lot of struggling bears fans and it's like that feeling of not being able to count on your team to even make correct decisions is brutal um the chiefs are on the other side of that where they seem to, you know, maybe I disagree with the draft pick of Clyde Edwards Alaire last year, but it's almost a blimp in the radar because the the overall plan is 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 like is one of unity. And you just you don't see that, especially after a decade of anything but unity for these Chiefs. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting one, especially when you talk about heartache is the first thing that comes to my mind as a Bears fan is the uh Cody Parkey miss the double dunk against the Eagles when and I think every franchise has those turning points and sometimes it is those bits of heartache that actually get changed to to happen and we saw that with the Chiefs and it happens with a lot of different teams that when they get close to making it like I I look at the way the Packers lost it nfc championship game and they have a choice this offseason they have a choice to go all in or they have to start kind of looking further along to the future because aaron Rodgers is not going to be there to make the playoffs and not really been given the tools around them to go and make it to the super bowl so there's a lot of teams that have those kind of points in there in time where the next decision for that offseason is just so important and the chiefs good for them but when that came that they allocated their resources properly and they went up and got the quarterback that everybody in the building knew that they wanted and it didn't matter what the price was going to take because they believed in that they believed in that analysis that they had and it's like we've mentioned a couple times since that time the rest is is history but one thing i wanted to kind of touch on just before we finish up is about Mahomes and kind of the legacy he's creating, even just so early on in his career, was it three, three and a half years now that he's been in the league? Yeah. And there's already people kind of mentioning him amongst the greats when it comes to quarterbacks. How would you kind of quantify just how good he's been since he's entered the league? Yeah. So when we talk about goats, there's usually a few different sub conversations. Most accomplished. Brady, obviously. Greatest. The best the best QBs that I've seen play. Aaron Rodgers in 2012 comes to mind. And Patrick Mahomes right now comes to mind. And it's not that it's not that you can't make an argument that 
it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard is what I'm saying, because you have, you'd be, you'd be a little bit, um, I guess, greedy if you were just to say Mahomes is the goat. Like when you have that kind of general conversation, there needs to be sort of, you know, some history is taken into account. Brady's done this so many times. He's, he has those records. Um, you can't, you can't ignore that. And even watching Brady currently is, is still like, Oh my God, this guy, this guy is really great. Um, he does it in a different way than Mahomes, but he's really great. But there's on the other side, something to be said about watching a transcendent quarterback, like Aaron Rodgers back in 2012 and, or Mahomes this year or Mahomes in 2018, where you look at, you look at him and you say, watching football is different when that guy is playing. So it's, we can't crown Mahomes the goat because that conversation includes history and Mahomes doesn't have a long enough career yet. But we can say, man, Patrick Mahomes, if he doesn't become the goat someday, people see football differently when he's throwing the ball and that means something. Yeah, I would say if he doesn't become the goat one day, it means that something seriously wrong happened when you look at the start of his career because you look at Brady and yes, I think what separates him is his ability to win no matter what was going around him. We've seen obviously everybody remembers the years that the Patriots didn't win because they were so infamous because it was very hard to beat them. They were so successful over that time. The fact that you looked at Brady last season and it looked like he really struggled to get the ball down the field. And then suddenly he comes into Tampa Bay and he looks a little bit like probably the Brady of maybe two to three years ago where he doesn't have that same arm strength, but he knows where he wants to go with the ball and for the most part makes the right decisions. And you've seen like the struggles that Tampa Bay have had and he comes in and straight away it's you see them going into the Super Bowl. And again, like we mentioned at the start, this must be Brady's 12th or 13th Super Bowl, which is ridiculous when you see that there's some teams that have not even made the Super Bowl once or twice. And as a quarterback, he's made this amount. It's unprecedented. And it kind of, when we talk about Mahomes or we talk about Rodgers, it does come down to the team as well. Because like, like you said there, I think in terms of raw ability, Aaron Rodgers is probably one of those quarterbacks that when you are playing against him, it's almost like a cheat code for you yeah yeah but that's what that's what i see when i watch rogers or i watch mahomes and you look at teams trying to stop them and it's almost like they're just trying to limit what they can do because they know they can't actually stop them so that's i think that's where you have mahomes and the lucky thing that i think he has right now is he's around a pretty young team and a team that in terms of its continuity i can't see it breaking up anytime soon so he has definitely the potential to add to the Super Bowl from last season and possibly this season as well. Because you look at around the league and before we kind of do our kind of predictions with all these kind of the the quarterback carousel that I I would call it, you have Watson wanting to go. We had the Goff and Stafford trade. We have so many other rumors coming out and that kind of puts those teams that do have continuity with a good quarterback kind of in kind of, the advantageous position over the next two to three seasons. Yeah, no, that's 
That's very true. And I haven't, I wonder if, if, if the QB carousel is, is, I guess, more volatile than maybe in seasons during the Brady years. Um, but I always, it, it, it's hard when you factor in the Patriots dynasty because just getting to the Super Bowl, I mean, one, one inch could literally stop you from getting into the Super Bowl, whether it's a pass that's an inch too close to a defender or a fourth down attempt that's an inch short. It's like the Chiefs are, yes, poised to be a dynasty. There's no question about that. If, we, if we're just checking boxes, um, I'm always, as a fan, a little bit hesitant because I know that for however good a team is, a very bizarre event can just cause them to lose the game. It, it does happen. You know, I mean, the double doink, like that's just what? Yeah. <laughs> that's been shockwave franchise for years losing that playoff game um but again if if we're, we are saying do the chiefs and does mahomes have the tools to be that next great thing absolutely i mean the answer has to be yes yeah absolutely and that's i think that's the biggest thing you try and project into the future that is something sustainable long term and you look at the chiefs and it is you look at some of the other top teams you even look at tampa bay and Look, I think everybody knows it's really it goes with Brady that when Brady goes and they are back to trying to find their quarterback. And it's the reason you see so many teams this season trying to find that next quarterback because they realize that there's those top three or four teams that are gonna remain at the top. And until you get a young quarterback in that you can grow, it's the reason why everybody's after Deshaun Watson. He's in a terrible situation but he's still only 25 years old. And it's a reason why you will see teams give up as much as they possibly can to get him in because he's he's that good. But again, it's it's tough. And I guess the one, one of the teams that you look at that really doesn't have that problem and won't have that problem for the next kind of 14 years, possibly, depending on how how long Mahomes can keep this up is the Kansas City Chiefs. So with that, we'll we'll go to kind of our predictions. So what would you what do you think is gonna happen in the Super Bowl? Do you think it's going to be a close one? Do you think it's gonna be very similar to kind of week 12 where we had Kansas City getting the 27-24 victory over Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Or do you think this might be a game where the Chiefs might be able to stretch this game out a little bit more? So, okay, factoring in, you know, three years of watching this Chiefs team, I think I've learned that the Chiefs can beat you in a quarter. So I think this is the kind of game where you might have the Bucks up like 10-7 at halftime. Chiefs aren't playing very well, just, just not really connected. Then third quarter, Chiefs put up 21 and that's enough to, to hold off the Bucks. That's the type of team the Chiefs have been this year. Um, of course, I would love to see, you know, I don't really want to see a blowout. I would love to see like 49-42. Why not? But it seems more likely than not that the Chiefs are going to have an insane quarter and a half and just kind of keep steady for the rest of the game. So I guess doing that, doing that hypothetical math, I said 21. So that, that'd be like 28-24, let's say, Chiefs. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I think the game will be close for the majority of it, but 
when you look at the Chiefs, as as we saw last season in the Super Bowl, that even when they're down by 10 points in the fourth quarter, they still have that ability to come back. And I think having that offensive kind of firepower is just a bit too much. And when I look at some of the mistakes that Tampa Bay made last week, if you do that against a Kansas City team, it's it's just very, very hard to come back and to win it, to win a ball game. I think like we said early on, I feel like Tampa Bay almost has to play a perfect game to yeah. be able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's very hard for teams nowadays that are very, and we've said it, are very aggressive to have that perfect game. But if if there's a time for it to happen, I think any neutral fan would want it to happen for the Super Bowl because we've seen some in recent years like last year was one of probably the most enjoyable Super Bowls that I think a lot of fans got to watch and I think having an offense like Kansas City and it just just helps the fact um so yeah I just want to say thanks for joining me today Jake um again anybody can catch some of your articles and stuff um like we mentioned at the start um it's going to be a very interesting um game on sunday and i just wanted to thank you for coming on hey, thank you for having me Ciaran. uh it was a pleasure it's Ciaran. yeah kieran kieran uh kieran thank you uh, so that's much. fine <laughs> yeah awesome being here and uh all right chiefs but also go football yeah exactly <laughs> all right thanks Jeff.